Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com's Random Thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, the audio version. Hi, Winnipeg Jets fans, and welcome to my Random Thoughts for April the 3rd. Number 1. The Winnipeg Jets went 2-1-0 this past week, but the way they finished the week was like night and day from how it started. After being shut out in San Jose, the boys put up a six spot on both Detroit and New Jersey over the weekend. The Jets are still sitting in the second wildcard spot with a record of 43-31-3. They're two points up on Calgary with even games and five points up on Nashville who have two games in hand. You know, after all their struggles, the Jets still managed a 7-7-1 record in March. Well, it was quite a week, and it just goes to show you what a little bit of goal scoring can do. The Jets looked like a completely different team, and what a difference it makes when you can score the first goal in a hockey game. Um, It was nice to see, you know, especially with them both those games being home games, giving this you know, the Jets fans something to cheer about and getting behind the team right away. Because, man, can you imagine if Detroit would have scored first? It could have been ugly in that rink. But uh, kudos to the boys. Uh, they got it done. They got a big four points on the weekend. And uh, now we, we're heading down the stretch with five games left, and it's going to be very interesting. Number two. This really says it all. This was Rick Bonus after the 3-0 loss to San Jose. The inconsistencies of some of our players uh, is hurting us. Um, you know, some of these guys think they're giving us everything in their tank, they're dreaming. As you can hear, Rick Bonus wasn't exactly thrilled with some of the efforts of his players. You know, but during this losing streak, and even in that San Jose game, the Jets played you know, pretty well and really deserved a better result. But when the puck's not going in the net, everything gets magnified, you know, and Jets fans, media, everybody, they all have their own whipping boys. But man, did Mark Shifley really take it after this game. Um, For me, I notice every mistake that Neil Pionk makes. Uh, Some fans, it's Kyle Connor. Some fans, it's Blake Wheeler. But um, if you're not scoring goals, you're not going to win. Obviously, that's an you know, understatement. And the Jets have had so many chances and just haven't been burying their opportunities. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, he was frustrated. Jets fans were frustrated. This San Jose game might have been the low point for the Jets so far this season, you know, especially based on the importance of it. As we move on to number three, I have absolutely no problem with Rick Bonus harping on Mark Shifley about his defensive play. But when it comes to Bones telling Scheif how to play offense, I think he's out of his element. An interesting stat is the Jets are number one in the NHL in slot opportunities on offense, hence puck possession. But in saying that, Scheif shouldn't have contradicted his coach in that media session after the San Jose loss. That wasn't a good look for Mark Scheifele, and I'd be shocked if we see 55 on this team next year. Now, to elaborate on that thought, I'll give it a little bit of uh, background on it. You know, uh, Rick Bonus has been harping on the boys to shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. And after the game, I guess one of the media guys asked Shifley about that. 
and Mark Shifley inadvertently, <laughs> maybe passive-aggressively, uh, contradicted his coach and saying, you know, I've always been a possession player. That's what it, you know, I'm about. Obviously, he'll shoot when he has to shoot. But what Shife was saying, possess the puck, create, create chances. That's that's my game. So, I mean, it's the truth. That's that's what he does. He creates and uh, sets up his line mates. But the thing is, he should have never said that, especially when the next interview was Dylan DeMello, who came up and said, Yep, we got to shoot the puck, get the pucks on net. Well, of course, DeMello's basically quoting everything that uh, Rick Bonus is saying. But then again, you're talking to two different players. Uh, <laughs> Dylan DeMello's going to shoot the puck. He's not going to create a lot. He doesn't have, uh, you know, a, he has a good offensive game, but he doesn't have a, a creative offensive game uh, t to create scoring chances where Mark Shifley does. It was just, it was one of those situations where. You know, frustration at the end of a game and the player maybe said the wrong thing and, of course, everybody fucking jumped down his throat. The media guys that don't like him uh, picked him apart and, uh, no, it wasn't a good look. And sometimes uh, these things are just better left unsaid. Number four. Vladi Nemestikov, Nick Ehlers, and Blake Wheeler seem to have found some chemistry and it couldn't have come at a better time. <laughs> so on Twitter, I posted uh, the new line was pretty good this weekend. And of course, if you use their acronyms, new, N-E-W, N for Nemesnikov, E for Ehlers, and W for Wheeler. It was just me being, trying to be funny, trying to be cute. But uh, I like that, the new line, because everybody thinks we're talking about Connor, Shifley, and Dubois, right? So, yeah, I kind of tricked everybody. But... The thing is, they actually were pretty good. They created a lot of uh, scoring chances. And for some reason, those three players who you wouldn't think would work together actually work very well together. And uh, Nikolai Idris even said that him and Nemesnikov kind of hit it off right off the bat. They they do play a similar game. Uh, Nick is much more flashy. Vladdy's pretty smart. And Blake Weider, uh, you know, he's a cagey veteran. He played well this weekend. So... Uh, Good on those guys. It was uh, nice to see them get rewarded for some play. And, of course, the beneficial thing of this is now that, uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Scheifele, and Kyle Connor, uh, Rick Bonus can feel comfortable keeping those guys together because the second line played well. So that's the intangible. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good to see. It was a good weekend. You know, 12 goals on the weekend in front of the home fans uh, was pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. Number five. In number five, I say, as much as I want the Jets to make the playoffs, when I compare Calgary's schedule to ours, we could be in big trouble. You know, if we miss the postseason, all we have to do is look at the points the Jets pissed away against the bottom feeders. You know, um, it's, it's one of those things. The Jets do have their own destiny in their hands. I don't think they're going to be able to rely on out-of-town scoreboard help because Calgary has a real cupcake schedule. So obviously the biggest game for the Jets is this uh, Wednesday when they play the Flames at home. But uh, yeah, we're not going to get any favors. So basically Jets uh, just win, baby, win. In number six, I go over the tie-breaking rules. And this is where it gets interesting and favorable for the good guys. I list the top four tiebreaker rules. 
but I'm not going to bother reading you all four because the only one that's relevant is the first one and the other ones are not going to come into play. But the first tie-breaking rule is the first tiebreaker is regulation wins, which are all the wins you've accumulated minus those in overtime and the shootout. Well, this is where the Jets have the advantage. The good news is the Jets right now have 33 regulation wins. Calgary has 29 and Nashville has 28. Having those extra regulation wins is almost like having more points in the standing. So we're, we have that one advantage. Calgary has the advantage of the easier schedule. We have the tiebreaker. And Calgary still has to win one more game than us. So uh, we're, we're in good shape there. As I move on to number seven, for me this was kind of more of an off-season thought. But it, it, I thought of it when I started looking at the ramifications of you know, all the rumors with Shifley and Dubois. And, and I started thinking about money. So I said... You know, two more years of Nate Schmidt at $5.95 million and Neil Pionk at $5.875 million. There are going to be anchors on this organization, and they need to be moved as soon as possible. And I mean this offseason. If Chevy is still the GM, he needs to make room for some prospects and some free agents. Uh, this summer is going to be very interesting, like with all the rumors out there about, uh, you know, Dubois, Shifley. And we're going to have to replace two centers. And obviously you're going to, you know, if you trade them, you're going to get something back. But are you going to get a 1-1A one -one center back? I don't know. We might have to spend some money in the free agent market, which has basically been uh, the Achilles heel for all Canadian teams. It's hard to, hard to get guys here, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I just started thinking about cash, and I started already obsessing about the offseason. Number eight, the Winnipeg Ice. The Winnipeg Ice lead their best-of-seven series versus the Medicine Hat Tigers 2-0 after 5-3 and 5-2 wins this past weekend at the Ice Cave on the U of M campus. The Ice now head back to the Hat for their next two games, and um, I guess they'd be looking for a split or a sweep, but... Uh, you know, Medicine Hat gave them, uh, gave them all they could handle, and it was uh, it's going to be interesting when they get back home. They're pretty. I thought I thought Medicine Hat played pretty good, you know, especially in the uh, in game one. But uh, uh, go ice, go. Number nine. I'm not very happy that the Gus bus is being parked in the garage. You know, David Gustafson has an underrated offensive game that could help the fourth line and create some offense. The two weekend games notwithstanding, I couldn't understand why Rick Bonus wouldn't get a player like Gustafson or even a Jansen Harkins, Axel Johnson, Fialbi, change up that fourth line because they were getting, the fourth line wasn't playing bad, but they weren't getting any offense from them. Once again, uh, Rick Bonus's curious lineup decisions, but uh, yeah, um, we weren't scoring worth a damn. And he kept on rolling up the same players and the same lines every game. And when he decides to make a lineup change, he puts in Carson Kuhlman. But we'll get that in a couple minutes on number 11. Number 10. TSN insider Darren Drager reported last week that GM Kevin Dayoff and the Winnipeg Jets are all in to keep Pierre-Luc Dubois on this team. Well, I guess that means they're going to offer him a shitload of Benjamins. Um, this story is getting, you know, tiresome. 
We keep on hearing that that's a done deal. He's going to Montreal. And my thought on this always is, it's and you know, it's all about money. It's all about the money. And, and maybe even the way they finish the season off, you know, if they're winning, you know, maybe if the, if Mark Shifley is moving on, they let him know that he's the number one guy. They put a letter on his sweater. They give him a bunch of money. Uh, I just can't see the Jets going into next season with, uh, without Dubois or Shifley or both. It's just, uh, that would be, that wouldn't be good. But, Yes, we keep on hearing the same shit every week. I'll be so glad when this is over. And is it a surprise, like Darren Drager's insider report? Yeah, really, is it a surprise that the Jets aren't going to go all in on Dubois? Of course they are. They have, uh, you know, they have a vested interest in this player. And, you know, let's go back a little bit, too. This is the guy that they traded Patrick Line for. If they lose Pierre-Luc Dubois, I have nothing to show for the Line A trade and a major blemish on Kevin Cheveldayoff's resume. In number 11, I say, I'm just not a Carson Kuhlman guy. The fact that he is in the lineup over David Gustafson, Axel Janssen-Fialbi, and Jansen Harkins makes me want to hurl. I don't like anything about Kuhlman's game. Yes, he's got uh, decent speed, but then so does Axel. Uh, Harkins, you know, always was a scorer in junior. He's been a pretty darn good scorer at the AHL level. And yet, they sent him down. He's <laughs> done nothing but put points on the board for the Moose. And Carson Coleman, to me, is just a waste. Uh, I don't like him. But yet, somehow, he's in the lineup. I don't get, like, once again, this is me. And I, I know a lot, a lot of other fans feel the same way. I, I don't know what he sees in Kuhlman. But uh, I'm going to just let this one go and move on to number 12. In number 12, I'm not sure what happened to Mason Appleton. But he looks fast again. <laughs> and he's been playing pretty well lately. But at $2.166 million for two more seasons... I still think he's overpaid. Morgan Barron can do what Appleton does, and he's under a million per season. And in my opinion, Barron's a better hockey player. I don't know what happened to uh, Appleton after he went to Seattle, but he couldn't even get in their lineup. He came back here. Um, you know, I've always liked him. I was actually glad we got him back. But um, he had that, that wacky injury where the stick got caught in the boards, blah, 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 and he, he injured injured himself. And he took him a long time to come back from that. He actually looks pretty decent right now. But you know what? He's a third-line player at best. He's probably a fourth-line player on a good team. And I just really like Morgan Barron. I don't see why he's on the fourth line. Uh, he's got good straightaway speed. He's, he can shoot. And he's really good in the corners. But then again, that's you no, know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, number thirteen is the poll question. You know, playoff success or failure notwithstanding, should the Jets be in a rebuild mode this offseason? The answers are yes, no, yes, but not with Chevy as GM. Yes, I'm okay with Chevy as GM. Yes, a full teardown, or yes, but retool on the fly. Um, it's still too early to get a a decent sample size here, but for the most part, 
Um, most Jet fans were saying <laughs> they want to see a rebuild uh, of some sort, but uh, we'll see what happens in the offseason. Number 14 is my weekly question for Rick Bonus, Kevin Day off, or Mark Chipman. Now, of course, these are hypothetical. These, this would be a question I would ask them if I could. This week, my question was for Rick Bonus. What took you so long to put Nikolai, don't call me Nick, Ehlers on the first power play unit? Now, it's not like the power play was burning it up, so I'm going to give this a little context. Uh, they put Nick there on the weekend, and all of a sudden, the power play didn't look stagnant. There was some movement on it. They actually did generate some excellent scoring chances. I can't believe they didn't score a couple, but they finally broke through on uh, Sunday versus New Jersey. And uh, yeah, the power play looked uh, looked <laughs> looked like a power play. Now, let's just hope they can convert that uh, into some success and start scoring a few power play goals because, like I say, down this stretch, power play is going to be very, very important. Number 15. As of this morning, Money Puck has the Winnipeg Jets at 68.9% to make the playoffs. Uh, this number is very fluid and changes every day, and I will update every week until they clinch a spot. Last Monday, the Jets were at 78.6. So they basically dropped a full 10 percentage points. And of course, that's because of the loss in San Jose. And Calgary has now rattled off, uh, I think, four or five straight wins and have tightened up the race. But it just goes to show you how uh, fluid it is. Uh, you know, they uh, after the Tuesday loss to San Jose, they dropped from... 77 to 59% leveled out the rest of the week because they didn't play. And then after the wins on the weekend and Calgary's wins, they, uh, they got bumped up to uh, 67. Uh, they finished, uh, I guess it was Sunday morning, they were at 65. And then, you know, with, uh, with the win, they've uh, kind of leveled out there. But it's, uh, it's going to be all about what happens on Wednesday night. That's where you're going to see the biggest... Uh, moving percentages whether the Jets win or lose. Stay tuned my friends. Number 16 is my weekly look at the special teams. For about the seventh week in a row the Jets power play has dropped. Uh, they're at 19.3 percent down from not well they were actually 19.3 last week too so they but they actually dropped two spots on the standings. Uh, the power play Hasn't been good, no secret, so we'll move on to the PK. Um, it's actually been solid all year. Like I say, they're sitting at 6th at 82.3. Uh, they were 5th last week at 82.9, so uh, nothing major there. Uh, the face-off percentage went up a tad, and they moved up in the rankings to 22nd from 24th. Uh, they're at 48.8, which is not great. Uh, let's move on to the number 17, the Jets goaltending. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, uh, he's 34-24-2, 256 goals against, 918 save percentage, three shutouts, should have had a fourth one last night. New Jersey scores with, what, uh, 13 seconds left in the game, and he got pooched on that one, but uh, Helly's been steady, uh, gives us a, you know, a chance to win every night, and like we always say, Score three goals, Jets. Helly very seldom gives up four. So their record uh, 
when they score three goals and with Helly in it is uh, it's uh, it's very very good. Number eighteen is my weekly look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the three nothing start versus Detroit and the two nothing start over New Jersey put those two teams in the position of having to chase the game after both teams had played the night before. Let's be honest, uh, the Jets got a tired Detroit team on uh, Friday night, and uh, New Jersey didn't look tired. They're a four-line team, and I thought they played pretty well. And, uh, you know, six goals against both teams is awesome. I'm not going to belittle the wins by saying, oh, they played teams that were coming off back-to-back, because that's fucking horseshit. You know, look at the Jets' schedule. They have one of the worst schedules in the league. You know, we're not allowed to make excuses for the Jets when they lose on a back-to-back or when they played five games in eight nights. And even Blake Wheeler mentioned it last night in the post game. He said the exact same thing. He says, you can't use it as an excuse, but facts are facts. You know, the team's playing, they're traveling, they're tired, they're banged up. It was nice to get home and have a couple practices, have a couple days off. And at this time of the year, those days off are huge. So I'm not going to belittle these wins. Fuck the haters, because that's all they do. They'll try to pick any win apart and uh, never give credit where credit is due. The Jets played two very good hockey games. They scored six goals in each game, and that is G-O-O-D, good. The bad, getting Reimert again on Tuesday night. I don't know what it was uh, with James Reimer. I mean, his numbers aren't even all that great, but they're like all world versus the Jets this year. And he had their number again, so kudos to him. Um, I hope those uh, points we dropped against San Jose with Reimer standing on his head doesn't cost us a playoff spot. And the ugly, once again, I have to just keep on harping on this because, like I say, since March 14th, the Jets have gone 2 for 34 on the power play. They're basically averaging a power play one goal per week, and that just is not going to get it done. Number 19. My Kyle Connor watch is officially over now that he has hit the 30-goal mark for the fifth time as a Winnipeg Jet. He's still a train wreck defensively, but he seems to have found his offensive mojo again. And, you know, the timing couldn't be better. Casey's a gifted offensive player. Yeah, he's not great defensively, but you get him from center ice in, he's pretty dynamic. Right now, this Jets team, they need Kyle Connor to be the best Kyle Connor he can be. Like I say, it's an important five games coming down this uh, this home stretch, and we need everybody on board. Number 20. Calling Wednesday's game against Calgary huge would be an understatement. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be fun. I mean, like I say, calling it an understatement. Like, this might even be, <laughs> this might be one of the biggest games in Jets 2.0 history. They can make life so much easier on themselves with a regulation win. Take care of business versus Calgary. We hold our own destiny. All we got to do is beat Nashville and San Jose at home. And I think we're in. I'm really, really hoping that those those last two road games against Colorado and Minnesota don't come into play because they're not going to be uh, taking things lightly. They are battling for number one in the division, so they're not going to be mailing it in. I would think by this time next week, as I'm talking on the April 10th podcast, so we'll know then 
whether the Jets are in or out. But for now, I think it's time to go. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening and <laughs> putting up with me. Um, like I said, uh, please contact me if you have any questions. Uh, of course, you can catch us on all the popular podcast uh, sites. You know, we're on Amazon, we're on Google, we're on Spotify, and of course, the home of Winnipeg Hockey Talk, WinnipegHockeyTalk.com. So until next week. Go Jets, go!